0: Amen. Um, praise God. Well, thank you guys again for joining us here at Walk Church. Uh, we are on the journey of church planting here in the city of Las Vegas, and it's so good to see so many familiar faces and some new faces as well. And we just want to, again, welcome you to our fellowship. It means so much that you would gather and spend your Sunday with us this morning. Uh, this is actually week number 40 in the life of our church. We've been counting every single week, and this actually celebrates our ninth month of being a local church here in the city. Um, and, and with that, uh, you guys make it happen. And um, we couldn't do this without you or without our team. And uh, thank, you, thank you to our team and Pastor Wes in the back there for getting me mic'd up. That's probably something that I did wrong there, but, but we're here. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that I always like to keep in front of our people is our strategy here at Walk Church. And Um, How do we make disciples? How do we live and fulfill our mission of freeing people to walk in Jesus? And our strategy actually is here on this big slide over here, and we call it our AIM strategy uh, because it's made up of these three letters, A-I-M, not the old instant messenger for those who remember that. Um, But AIM is our strategy here at WALK, and it stands for these three words, abide, invest, mobilize. And we really believe when we abide in Christ We invest in community, and then we mobilize together as disciples on mission. We're really going to see people set free to walk in Jesus and God's kingdom expanded in Las Vegas and the world. Um, And and, and this week, I want us to spend a little bit of time talking about that word mobilize. As we've been walking verse by verse through Philippians chapter 2, we've come to this last chunk of chapter 2 where the theme is send. Send send. And we really believe that when the church sends and when the church is a sending church and when the church doesn't just stay here on Sunday, but we mobilize together to live our lives on mission and we send each other out to be disciples here in the city, uh, the church is built up and we become humble through that and God is glorified and we get joy from that. And we see that in the Bible. We see God as a sending God. We see the Philippian church as a sending church. We see Pastor Paul, the author, as a sending pastor. And we're going we're to learn from him today. So I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 as we continue our journey walking verse by verse through this special book in the Bible. And when you get there, just look at the person next to you and say, let's eat. eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat from God's word this morning. Let's go ahead and learn from him today. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking specifically at verse 22 through 24. Uh, We're going to kick it off with where we left off last week. Um, If you need a Bible, would you just slip your hand up? We'll be be glad to walk you one down right now if you need one. Anybody need a Bible? You got it on the screen? Everybody's good. Praise God. So if you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're ready, say ready. If you're ready, say let's let's go. Come on. Um, we're going to start right here in, in in verse nineteen through twenty-one, and then we're going to jump into our verses for today, verse twenty-two through twenty-four, and we're going to learn about an awesome young man in the Bible by the name of Timothy. Before we do that, let's pray one more time. Let's ask God to meet with us this morning. Ask God personally, yourself, have a conversation with Jesus Christ right now where you're seated, and say, God, speak to me. Ask Him to speak to you right now. God, thank you that you're a God who speaks. And right now, we ask you to do that, Lord. As we open your word, God, we don't take this time lightly. Our our, our eyes are on you, God. Just right now where you're seated, say, God, speak to me. In his own special, unique, sovereign way, speak to me. Speak through me, God. God. So that we could get the joy that's found in walking in you. And then send us out, God, to be lights in this world. It's in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Philippians 2, starting at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one that's like him, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ and here's our verses for this week. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Uh, as I've been studying for this message this week, and I've been preparing and asking God, what do you want the people that walk church who will be here on this specific Sunday, what do you want them to know. And it it really came to me as a question. So the message I want to preach to you today, the title is with a question. And here's the question. Are you proven? Are you proven? Are you proven? We're going to learn about what that looks like in the life of Timothy. Let's go ahead and start with this first chunk in Philippians 2 verse 22, at least the first part A. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. But I want to major on that first little part. Paul says, you guys, you Philippian church, you know Timothy's a proven dude. You guys know his proven worth. The word proven actually is the Greek word dokemi. Uh, it means to, to be tried. It means to be tested and to still come out as genuine. It means to be put under the fire and be refined and still remain pure. This Greek word for proven means, to have, means that your character was tested through either a trial or an affliction, and yet you still remain the same. That's what it means to be proven. And what Paul is saying here about Timothy is that he was tried. He was tested. He had went through his own affliction, and he remained the same. I like what Webster's Dictionary says about the word proven. It says, to learn or to find out by experience. To test the truth, validity, or genuineness of. And so what Paul's saying here, church, is that when he looks at the brother Timothy, the young man named Timothy who we learned in-depthly about last week. If you didn't catch it, go to walkchurch.com. You can catch up on Timothy. Um, But when Paul looks at Timothy, let's go back to that Webster's Dictionary definition. Look at these words. Truth. He's valid. Genuine. Experienced. That's the question I want to ask about us today. As God pu- pushed in on me today, he said, Hyden, are you, are you proven? Are you proven to be the man of God that I've called you to be? Are you proven, ladies, to be the women of God that God has called you to be? Are you tested through experience? Are you a person of the truth? Are you someone who is valid? Are you someone who is genuine? That's a person who has been Proven. Last week, as we studied Timothy's character, we did a scouting report on Timothy. And we, we, we started with that scouting report by looking at Acts chapter 16. That's the first place where we are introduced to this young man named Timothy. And we came across these verses. I'll, I'll, I'll recap our memory. Acts 16, verse 1 through 3. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. There was a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And so Paul was on his second missionary journey to Derby, to Lystra, right around the Galatia area. And he came across a young man named Timothy who was a disciple of Jesus. Praise God. Um, And we learned about a little bit of his background with his mom and his grandma and his dad. But what I want us to focus on here in bold is that he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. We talked last week how Timothy had a good reputation. But this week, I want to talk about how he was proven. See, there's a difference. You could have a good reputation and still not be proven. You could have people know good things about you, but it it may not be actually really who you are. I learned this quote from Coach John Wooden, legendary coach. He says it like this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are. While your reputation is merely what others think you are. And so Timothy here is demonstrating to the Philippian church. I know the bros back in Derby and Lystra speak highly of me. But you guys need to know me. He's saying, hey, I need to to be with you and be experienced with you. So that you can know that I'm not just talked about well. But I'm actually proven. Proven. Timothy needed to be proven so that they could trust him, right? So if Paul were to send Timothy, he wouldn't just be this dude that shows up as a leader in the church and like, hey, we don't know this dude, Paul. This is like a young guy from a city that we don't even... That's not even a a Jewish city, to be honest. Um, We're not familiar with him. He needs to prove himself still. Have you guys ever seen something like that? I I, I actually saw something like this happen uh, this past week. On Thursday, I was doing something that... I, I. usually like to do around this time of the year I was watching the NBA draft all right anybody watch the draft this year a couple people okay yeah Um, and so I was watching the NBA draft this year 2016 and the thing that was unique was that the commentators every time somebody was drafted especially someone from uh, overseas or from a foreign country they would say yeah you know they say he's good but he's got to prove himself they say that you know he, he actually had a really good NCAA tournament but until he plays a game in the NBA he hasn't really proved himself. Go ahead and pull this picture up of all the guys in, in in the draft. And I was looking at all these guys, and right, and here they are with their suits and, and, and they're, they're ready. But every time their name was called, they were like, hey, there's still a little asterisk by them, even if they were national champions last year. Why? Because they need to prove it on the court. It's not just about their reputation, but it's it's not the team that they did play for, it's the new team that they're going to, and they need to prove that they are who the draft pick says they are. And as I, as I studied Timothy, I learned, you know what? He's, he's similar to a draft pick. He's talked about. He's well known by the brothers in Derby and Lystra, but he still needed to prove himself to the Philippian church. And Paul here in the Philippians 2 letter, go back to this verse for us, 22. Paul says this, you know Timothy because he's proven. He's proven worth, and I want to make sure that that's our testimony today, and if it's not your testimony, that you say, you know what, God, I want to make it my testimony that I want to start, I, I want to prove myself. I want to make sure that, that, that people know that when I step in the room, it's not just my testimony. It's not just what my bio says about me on Facebook. It's not just about what my status said. It's not just about me wearing a Jesus Wind shirt, but I've actually proven let me give you guys some good news today. Let me give you guys some good news. Paul is talking about this word proven on a practical level physically here today. But positionally in God's sight, when we have faith in Jesus, we are already proven. Amen? So we don't have to prove ourselves to God this morning. Faith in the gospel qualifies you to be proven. So that means that when God looks down at you right now, when God looks down at Gina right now, he sees somebody who's in the image of Christ. When God looks at Joey and why, through your faith in the gospel, he says, you don't need to prove yourself. Jesus already proved himself on your behalf. And his blood is covering your sin. And by your faith in Jesus, he died for you. He rose from the grave for you. He's making intercession on your behalf today. You're proven in God's eyes. Amen? That's good news today we got to understand that because if you're proven by everybody else in the church and God doesn't see you as proven because you haven't put your faith in Jesus, that does not mean a thing. Brother and sister in Christ, you got to be proven in His eyes. And that happens not by what you do for Him. It's your faith in Him, right? Jesus has done everything that you need to do. He's lived a 33-year perfect life in your place. But not only that... He died the death that you deserve to die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. If I said, who is a sinner here today? Everybody in this room should raise your hand, right? So that means that God owes you something. He owes you death. Unless you have a risen Savior King that comes down from heaven and says, Carl, I'm dying for you, right? Like Miss Tanya, I'm going to do that in your place. You don't have to die for your sin. I'm going to die for your sin. And not only that, I'm going to rise from the grave in your place. You put your faith in a risen King he makes you proven let me go ahead and prove it to you through the scriptures in colossians chapter one i was reading these verses the other day they stopped me because there's one word in here it's a q word that i really had to just stop and just receive sometimes you just got to receive it amen here's what paul tells the colossian church he says may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's a good news scripture right there. Amen? I love this word right here. I love this word qualified. It's not that I qualified myself. I can't qualify for the kingdom. I can't qualify to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. Only Jesus can do that for me. And so if you're in the room today, and you're asking yourself this question, am I proven? Ask that question to the, to the one who died for you. And ask your heart and say, have I put my faith in the one who can qualify the unqualified? And take a moment to put your faith in the King who can make you proven today. Before Timothy was proven to the Philippians, he was proven to Jesus. Because he put his faith in a God who can. Amen? And I want to make sure that you guys don't leave here today disqualified when God did everything that you needed to do to be qualified. God did everything that he, that he needed to do to draft you on his team. Amen. Praise God. Somebody, somebody go ahead and make sure you purchase a his team t-shirt before you leave because what good news it is to not just play on our sinful team anymore, but to be drafted onto God's team, the winning team. Jesus wins his team. I love that God. Amen. Amen. We're we're qualified and proven by our faith in the gospel. Amen. That is so good news. But on the practical side of things, that's not always how we see each other. Right? On the practical side of things, you could be the most holy, saved, righteous person ever. And if you just walked in here today, I may not know that. And we may say these words, well, before that person leads in my life. Before we allow that person to do this specific ministry task, before we ask them to be a babysitter for EPATH, right, we've got to make sure this person proves themselves. Are you proven to the community around you? Are you proven the way Timothy was proven? Let's go ahead and pull up our scouting report on Timothy. We, we've been doing some scouting reports on Timothy. We've been taking some in-depth views at young Timothy. Um, we believe that was, that, that's how Tim looked. He was just kind of like a mover and a shaker, Amen. <laughs> right? He's from, the, from Lystra, a city of Lysonia. He is a disciple of Jesus. He had a Greek father, a Jewish mother, and a grandmother who believed in Jesus. We learned about them. They have two awesome names, Lois and Eunice. Who's naming your next daughter Eunice? That's all right. Um, he had a good reputation in his city. He became a disciple of Paul. He was later circumcised. Didn't hear any amens to that. That's a bold man for that. He had no one like him. Paul said, there was nobody as I looked at my arsenal, as as I looked at my roster, as I looked at my team. We had nobody that was like Timothy. We're sending Timothy to the Philippian church. He's going to bring us good news. We don't got anybody like him. He was genuinely concerned with the welfare of the church. My prayer is that you today are genuinely concerned with the welfare of the people that's next to you. Whether you go to church in Mississippi or you go to church here in Las Vegas or you're visiting from a different church today, that you would be concerned about the body of believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I love how my friend DaHati Lewis says, he says, the church isn't like family, the church is family. Amen? Sometimes we treat each other like brothers and sisters. But that means that you're really not my brother or sister. We need to treat each other as family. And Paul does that that with Timothy. Let me go to the scouting report from today. That was last week's. Um, We got some new wineskins today. And um, we see in the scouting report today that Timothy was proven. He had a father-son relationship with Paul. He served in the gospel. And he was sent out to live his life on mission. I want to talk about these last three. We talked about proven. But as we move forward today, I want to answer this question. Because maybe you would be thinking, well, what made Timothy proven? Because we know Paul tells the Philippian church, he says, y'all know about Brother Timothy, I'm sending him, and he, he's already proved himself. I bet you when the Philippian church read this letter, they were like, yeah, they're sending Timmy. We can't wait to see that dude, right? He was proven, but why was he proven? Three points that I'm going to run through rather quickly that I want us to take these three points as a grid. I want them to lay these three points over our lives as as questions, as challenges, as encouragement, so that we can say, all right, yes, I am proven. No, I'm not proven, but here's the steps how I can prove myself to the church around me. Not to Jesus, that happens by faith, but to the body around me, we can prove ourselves. Here's the first point, all right? You guys ready for point number one? If you're ready, say ready. Ready? First thing that, Paul, that, that Timothy did was he humbled himself to be discipled. He, he humbled himself to be discipled. We see that in the second half of Philippians 2.22 part B. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Here's what's neat about Timothy. He didn't have to follow Paul. Paul was doing some super dangerous stuff, all right? Paul is one of the few cats that I know that spent a night and a day in the sea. His ship wrecked, and he spent a whole night in the sea. Like, talk about, you know, what do they say, suffering for Jesus, right? Like, that's hard to do. Um, And then he went days without food. He was nearly stoned to death. For Timothy to say, yeah, I'm going to actually get circumcised at like an older teenage age, and they probably didn't have the same medicine that we have today... Um, for me to follow Paul on his missionary journeys, that right there is a challenging task. He didn't have to do that, but he humbled himself to be discipled by a dangerous kingdom dude named Paul. Let me show you guys what his relationship with Paul looked like. We see here in a variety of different scriptures, but in this one specifically, he served as a son with a father. We just talked about that using family language in the church. Amen? Amen right? Discipleship um, is something that we often use the term as student teacher, but Paul here, he doesn't say, you know, Timothy's proven worth. He, he has been like a student with me. He's been like a, a Sunday school student. Every day he's faithful there. We always see him at church, but not that there's anything wrong with that by any means, but do you guys notice that Paul's intimate language is different here? He says, like a son with a father. has served with me in the gospel. Some of you guys were here um, a few months back when uh, Pastor Eddie Leo from Indonesia shared with us. And I remember one of the things he shared with me, he said it like this. Eddie Leo says, he says, discipleship is not just student-teacher relationship. It's a father-son relationship. Discipleship is not just a, hey, you got your workbook out, let's go ahead and fill in the blanks. It's not like, all right, let's go to class We'll do discipleship, and then we'll leave. That's not what it looked like for Paul and Timothy. Discipleship was father-son relationship. It was intimate relationship. It was life on life. And I praise God we're continuing to cultivate that culture here at Walk Church. That's why I wanted to say, hey, you know, don't just think that your charge group is just one night out of the week. But we're meeting all the time. There's birthdays. There's parties. There's barbecues. Sometimes I'm having to say, like, all right, we got to take a night off from some of the different activity, and you're saying, well, hey, maybe I don't I don't really know about that. Initiate that. Come get plugged in. Come check out what we're doing. Get involved in some of the relational dynamic of walk church because really that's the that's what's gonna be the heart of our church. It's not gonna be just Sunday and preaching the word, although we value highly preaching the word. It's the discipleship relationship. That is father, son. It's brother, sister. It's deep and wide. Amen? That's what it looked like for Paul and Timothy. Brother and sister, that's what it should look like for us. I really believe that that, that it's a learning environment. It's a one-on-one. It's a one-on-three. It's a small group community. It's investment. It's you need me, and guess what? I need you. Just as much as Timothy needed Paul, Paul needed Timothy. Timothy. And he's demonstrating that in Philippians 2 by saying, I need to send them to you. Let me just give you guys a practical uh, teaching point here that I want to encourage you with that I've been blessed by. As your pastor here at Walk Church, here's my encouragement to you. Never stop learning. Never stop, never get to a place where you're like, you know what, I figured it out. They say when you feel like you've learned everything, you you realize you haven't learned anything at all. Right? Right? And, and I believe that we can always learn something new, whether it's from a book that's gospel-centered and practical and helpful, or whether it's from the book where God is continuing to speak to us. King David said, I meditate on your law day and night. Never stop learning. Rick Warren said this. He says, the moment you stop learning, you stop leading. We haven't earned the right to lead in someone's life if we stopped learning ourselves. And in the same way that Barnabas, Barnabas took in Paul and said, Paul, I'm going to pour into you. And for two years, we don't know a thing about Paul except that Barnabas invested in the bro. Right? And then when, when, when Paul was raised up by Barnabas and he was then sent out to do his missionary journeys, he came across Timothy in Lystra and he said, like a son is with a father. I want to teach you. And Timothy said, well, I'm here to learn. I'm ready to be discipled. Never get to a place where you're thinking, you know what? I don't really, you know, I don't need to be a sponge anymore. I've learned everything I needed to learn. I got my degree. I don't need to learn anything from from these people. Jesus said it like this. He said, out of the mouths of babies, we're going to learn about the kingdom, right? We can continue to learn from each other. Uh, Older generation needs to learn from younger generation. The younger generation desperately needs to learn from the older generation. That's a principle from Titus chapter 2. May the older men disciple the younger men. May the older women teach the younger women. We want to have that modeled here at our church. Timothy modeled that with Paul. 24 times in Paul's letter, he refers to Timothy. As somebody he was pouring into. As somebody who could invest in. It was a father-son relationship. To quote Rick Warren one more time, he goes on to say this. He says, Timothy's biological father was Greek, but no evidence is ever given that he was a Christian. So Paul filled the shoes of a spiritual father to Timothy. We need a sense of parenthood as we mentor because it's vital that we be be grounded as we dream big dreams. And sometimes that takes humility. Humility to humble yourself and say, you know what, would you mind teaching me? Seems like you've learned some leadership lessons that I may need to learn from. I feel like whenever I'm around uh, some people that are older than me in the faith or just older than me in years, it's a great opportunity for me to just soak it up. And sometimes you just spit out the, bone, the bones and eat the meat, amen? Right? But, but there's always a, a teachable lesson in it. As I was in St. Louis two weeks ago, uh, one of my seminary professors was there and I ran into him uh, in the exhibitor hall. And we were just talking. I said, you know what? Would you be up for just doing a video chat with me maybe once a month so I could just continue to, to, to ask questions and learn from you? He was all about it. He said, that's why I do what I do. Not to just shuffle papers on my desk, but it takes some initiation sometimes. It doesn't always have to be you being sought out. You'd say, hey, no one ever reached out to me, pastor but who did you reach out to go say hey, you know what would you mind sending me a verse or would you mind keeping me accountable would you be that father-son relationship Can can you be my Paul can I be your Timothy and then maybe one day I'll be a Paul and I'll have a Timothy maybe I can be a Barnabas to you and be an encouragement to you we need to have that culture in our church amen because guess what when you do that that leads to being proven when Timothy says, I'm coming, and Paul sent me, ding, 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 he's legit, right? A lot of times for us, we have a sending church, Hope Church. Pastor Vance has been a mentor in my life, if you guys know who he is. I'm thankful for his ministry and his calling to Hope Church. Before that, he had a mentor in his name, life named Johnny Hunt who sent out Hope Church. And Johnny had that same thing. It's a kingdom dynamic. We need to keep this discipleship model going, amen? And we can here. At walk. Let's go ahead and go to the second point. The first point um, that we just saw is that um, he humbled himself to be discipled. The second point is he humbled himself to serve. He humbled himself to serve. Philippians 2.22b, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy, like his spiritual heavenly father, or I'm sorry, His his spiritual heavenly father is a servant as well. But his spiritual earthly father, Paul, similar to his Lord and Savior Jesus, Timothy modeled a servant's heart. He modeled a serving dynamic to his life. I love how Charles Stanley says it. He says, the foremost characteristic of the life of Jesus Christ was and is service. We are most like him when we serve as he served. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to walk in Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I love what Dr. Stanley says. He says, well, actually, you're most like Jesus when you serve like Jesus. The foremost characteristic. How many of you guys know that Jesus has a lot of characteristics? Right? Dr. Stanley says the top one is the way he served. He served one another. Jesus tells us this in Mark chapter 10, right? He says, the son of man has not come down from heaven to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you and I here at church today. We're most like Jesus when we serve. Paul writes to Timothy here and he says, you know, how you, Timothy, served with me in the gospel. The power of presence here is, is dynamic. dynamic. As as you read the the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, this is a Paul wrote and sent through Timothy, but Paul wrote two letters in the Bible, first and second Timothy, and he describes what this looked like. Let me go ahead and share it with you guys. In second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, he says it like this He says, You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, you followed my conduct, you followed my aim in life, followed my faith you followed my patience, you followed my love, you followed my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. I I wanted to point our attention to these verses because Timothy served with Paul in the gospel. When did he serve? Look at all these times. Good times, aim in life, conduct, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, tough times. Timothy was there when persecutions happened, sufferings that happened. Paul was in Antioch. It was going down. You can read it in the book of Acts. He was in Iconium. He was in Lystra when he found Timothy. Paul said, you served with me there. Here's what I want us to see through these verses. Paul says, like a father-son relationship, you served with me. Paul could have said, you served me. Like a father and a son relationship, you served me, Paul. But Paul even had a humility to say that that Timothy served with him. Amen? Look at these verses with me in Philippians 2. One more time. Going back to our theme verse. He has served with me in the gospel. And we have this golden opportunity to, to, to serve one another when we serve each other in the church, we prove ourselves. There's, there, there's countless um, opportunities for you to serve here at Walk Church. Thank you for the team that was serving in the heat yesterday. You guys saw some pictures, amen, as they put those floors down in the trailer. It's going to be a team of servants that come and put all this stuff that made church happen today as far as a practical setting uh, back in the trailer today. Um, there's going to be that people that serve and host in their homes. There's going to be people that serve and host dinners. Uh, Like the Martinez family did last night, there's going to be people that serve and host the the greeter tables and put up signs. There's going to be people that serve and make phone calls and and help with media, put the lights up, do video, serving in the kids' ministry, volunteering back there, leading and and serving on the worship team. I really believe if you asked yourself, is there a way for me to serve here? And you you looked at your gift set you looked at your skill set, you could probably use something there. Whether you're a young adult or a teenager or a senior citizen, you can serve here at the church. You might have to prove yourself a little bit. And we're giving you the ways to do that through discipleship, through family, through getting to know each other, through serving. Maybe it starts out as you're at the door and you're saying, hey, welcome to church. That's powerful right there. I've met so many people that say, I don't go to church anymore because when I went, no one even introduced themselves to me. And I felt like I was invisible there. May it never be at our church. If you see somebody here you've never met today, not in an awkward way, go say hi to them. And say, what's your name? I bet you they have a miraculous story that would encourage you. Serving one another. Timothy proved himself by the way he served. And Jesus served. And Paul served. Timothy served. Actually, Jesus said the greatest leader will be your greatest servant. If we want to have the right to lead, we need to first serve. Let me go ahead and move to the last point of the the message today and we'll be done. Um, Timothy was discipled. Timothy served. And the last point was that he humbled himself to be sent. Timothy was someone who was sent. Verse 23, Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. How many of you guys know this by the show of hands? How many of you guys know that God is a sending God? Amen? Yeah? You guys know that God is a sending, releasing God. He is. Maybe you would say, hide and prove it to me, since we're talking about that. Let me just go ahead and prove it to you. As you open up this glorious God-spoken book, you'll see that God sent Abraham. It's a picture of ascending God. Abraham said, where? And God said, go. Talk about faith, right? Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just went. God sent him. God sent Moses. God sent manna from heaven. God sent Joshua. God sent judges. God sent prophets. God sent provision. God sent kings. People said, you know what, God, we're tired of prophets. We're tired of judges. We're tired of manna. Can you send us a king? And God said, I'll send you a king. God sent Saul. God sent David, God sent Micah, God sent Jeremiah, God sent Elijah, God sent Elisha, God sent his son, God sent Jesus, Jesus sent his spirit, his spirit sent Paul, Paul sent Timothy. At some point, at some point there was a baton dropped. Because the, the, the Spirit in and, and Jesus sent the church. Right? We're next up. We're, the, Bible's, the Bible's finished, but we're still in there. We're the church that's been sent. We've been sent by a sending God. By a kingdom-focused, nation's passionate God. God is more pumped up about the city of Las Vegas than we are. And we need to get in on it by being a sending church. The church sent Timothy. We see this in the scripture. Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me and I trust in the Lord. I pray that God sends me too, Paul said. I'm coming. We believe in a sending God who wants to send walk church out to be the light in this world to be a city on a hill and I believe he's already doing that I thank God that he's invited us to be a part of that you know we, we actually get to be a part of that today I know uh, in, in Spencer's charge group last week you guys prayed over Val as, you, as she was sent off to do missionary work for the next month in Africa Um, uh, a member of our church that you guys know Jake um, Uh, we're actually going to be praying over him today as next Sunday he'll be on a plane heading to Thailand for a few weeks to do missionary work out there we get to be a part of sending and praying over and taking trips we get to play a part in God's sending role today as a church from Mississippi sent out two mission teams to Las Vegas and they had sent out mission teams to start Hope Church 15 years ago And now there's a new generation of people being sent out. And we get to be a part of that because we believe in ascending God. Amen? And Timothy was sent. And these three things we can learn from Timothy today. He was discipled in relationship. He served in community. He was sent out to live his life on mission. Are you proven? Are you proven? Let's pray.